Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FloatCombat.com is brought to you by the very best in BJJ and MMA clothing brands. I'm talking about ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com right now to check out their high-quality geese, slick rash guards, and durable spats, all at ridiculously low prices. I promise you that you will not find anything this good for this low of a price. And you can get it even lower when at checkout you use our exclusive promo code TURTLE. That's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. Head to ADKFightwear.com right now. Tell them Gumby and Dave sent you. Get yourself some sweet spats and some awesome rash guards. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. And it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with FlowCombat.com's Top Turtle MMA. And today we have on lightweight contender and just for today, special guest analyst for this weekend's Connor versus Habib fight. We got the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. So, Kevin, let's start by breaking down a little bit about what Habib does so well because you guys kind of have similar strengths. So, you know, looking at Habib, when you watch film on him or when you see him in a fight, what just makes Habib's takedown so good? You know, a lot of people say that, but really I don't even think it's his takedowns that are necessarily overly good. Is just his pressure, you know. When you when when I'm looking at it and I'm looking at his takedowns, they're they're very they're simple, but they they get the job done. It's his pressure. It's really his top game that kind of stands out amongst everybody else. Uh, once he gets on top of you, I mean, it, it, the man find he does find spots to to do a lot of damage, and he makes sure that you ain't getting back up. Uh, but his takedowns are necessarily, you know, this is MMA. It's not it's not wrestling. Uh, it's a different distance. It's a different. It's a. It, it, it's a different game. So I, I feel like that, if anything, is going to be his biggest problem in this fight. And, and do you think so? You know, you mentioned getting in on the takedown. Do you think it's it's a footwork thing? Do you think he has the footwork to sort of get in on takedowns, or do you think uh, you know maybe there's another issue on why you think maybe his takedowns aren't as advanced as say yours? It's not even just a footwork thing. You know, you also have to get uh, again. This is MMA. You have to get the guy thinking about. Uh, you're striking too. You know, it's much easier to play defense than it is to 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 have to juggle in between. So if the guy had, so if you had nothing for him in striking, uh, or if you have no threat of the striking even, and all he has to do is focus on his defense, it, it makes it a lot easier. And I mean, that's what you saw in that in his last fight with uh with Ally Quinto. Once he shut down those those couple little simple uh interests that he got, then the striking start uh, started uh, opening up for him, and he started missing a lot of takedowns. It's MMA. You, you, your setups are different than you have in wrestling. So uh, it's not necessarily about the footwork. It's all about the setups, and the setups have to come through striking and, and getting the guy to think about something else, and I just don't think uh, he has it there. So that's that's really an interesting take, too, and I hadn't thought of it that way. I wanted to move back to something you said, too, about his top pressure. So obviously his top pressure is the intimidating part, right, and is the part that allowed him to beat up Barboza, similar to the same way you beat up Barboza. So obviously the, the one thing we see is that leg trap that he uses where he, he rides the leg. Is, is there anything else that you see that stands out as the reason why he's so dominant on top? Yeah, he, he just does things a lot different than what you would normally see a guy do in the gym, especially. Uh, you know, it, it's where he kind of floats his hips to. Uh, they, it, you know, he doesn't really have that, that smashing pressure where 
a lot of guys when they're doing jujitsu or they're trying to hold a guy down, they get a lot of chest to chest and and and, and kind of put uh, shoulder pressure or something like that. But it, really, Khabib is you know he he keeps good posture. It doesn't seem like he'll be able to hold you down, but it's where he's positioning his hips, is where he's positioning his levers. Uh, you know, the, the man understands leverage, especially on the ground. You know, hooking the legs as, as you're trying to get back, or or you know, trapping a wrist or trapping arms. Uh, and it allows him to, to kind of sit up, land big power, and look more dominant than even he is because he's floating atop you all the time. And it's something that you don't see. Uh, and it's something that, that Connor ain't seen yet. Uh, you know, I, when, I, when I look at Connor's camp, I don't see anybody in his camp that, that can do that or has done it before. Um, you know, so it, it, I think that, if anything, is going to be the, the, the biggest uh, uh plus in, in Khabib's Connor. Yeah, so so let's let's take that back a notch too before we, we move on to Connor because I do want to talk obviously about Connor's strengths and weaknesses too. So you, you mentioned that Connor doesn't have anybody like Habib in camp. Do you think Habib has somebody similar to Connor? That's true. Yeah, I mean uh no he I haven't seen any really you know because a lot have been made about that about Connor bringing out any any high level wrestlers. But you're right. I mean, I haven't seen really Khabib bring out any high-level strikers either. Uh, and, you know, the thing in striking that, that really gets you hurt is the punch that you don't see coming. And, you know, if he if he ha- it hasn't been training with those type of guys that can, that can throw those shots, uh, especially really strong southpaws uh, with, with really good footwork and, and a good front kick, then, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's another one. He, he could get slept. And, and I think – if I'm leaning one towards another in, in this fight, I'm, I'm leaning towards Khabib getting swept. And so that's that's really interesting. So let's let's talk about what Connor does so well. Uh, you know, like you said, left hand uh, is is obviously the thing that we all fear. But is there something else about his footwork or about the way that he fights standing up that impresses you? It is his pressure. Uh, the, the man has good pressure, and, and and he knows how to get in your face. He knows how to cut off the cage. He knows how to stay in the middle of your face too. Uh, without overdoing it a little bit, you know, you you see him, he he can kind of drop his hands in front of the guy and still be out of range. He understands the range a lot a lot better. You know, when you talk about somebody like a bead, he's just kind of like a train. He's just con- constantly pushing forward, pushing forward. Doesn't matter even he doesn't he. It seems like he doesn't even think about being hit. You know, which I think could be the 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 big downfall for him. Uh, if he's just constantly pushing forward and and if Connor's the one that's that's uh, anticipating that range because he's letting them have it. Well, then he's gonna walk into something. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Connor's strengths on, on the feet. You know, yeah, there are a lot of working behind the jazz, working behind that range, working behind the front kicks. Uh, but it's his pressure without overcommitting. I think that's that's his biggest uh, asset in this one. So it's really interesting to see that too because you you know you go on Twitter right now or you go on any of the MMA websites and they're all talking about this fight like it's a striker versus grappling match but I love the way that you just put it it's really a pressure versus pressure match who gets to impose their unique kind of pressure I I don't think I've ever heard anybody break it down that way Yeah I mean it's it's true and I think that's where you're really going to see this fight you're going to see uh the winner of this fight in, within the first minute whether there's a whether there's a finish or not uh it's going to be who comes out there and who is really establishing their game uh, right off the bat. You know, I I, I think we kind of all know what Khabib's going to do. It, it's going to be the X factors. what exactly Connor's going to do. Is he going to come out? Is he going to get in his face? Is he going to kick him to the body uh, and, and try and push Khabib back? Or is he going to try and, you know, uh, uh, play more in the center? Is he going to try and back up? I think, you know, th- those are where the X factors kind of are. But 
um, it's a it's a pressure versus pressure game. Is is not necessarily you know MMA has evolved from that you know striker and and, and grappler uh, uh, kind of fights. I think they're still they're still there a little bit. Every guy and every every uh, every fighter has his weaknesses and his strengths, but it, it's it's a better fight overall than that. Absolutely, and and I want to go back to something you just said there too. You know, you said we'll be able to see the winner in the first minute. So I'm going to paint a picture for you. You know, first minute, Habib walks out, you know, instantly works across the cage to try to get in on a takedown. Connor sidesteps him a couple of times, trucks up a couple of takedown attempts. Do you think that alone in the first minute would let you know that Connor's about to win this fight? I, I would lean more towards yes. I mean, and, and that's not to say that Khabib wouldn't still get him down. But if Connor can stuff just one takedown, that's going to give him that's going to give him him something in mind. He's not going to get back up after he gets taken down and, and later in that round, even if he does. But they got to start the next round on the feet. Then they got to start the next round on the feet and the next round. You know, in in each one of those rounds is is a moment for Khabib to keep missing shots. You know, his, his shots really aren't all that spectacular. They're the same setups, uh, and and him more more to get tired you know it's it's much more tiring trying to take a guy down than it is to 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 uh defend that takedown so each one of those times and Khabib's not known to be a great finisher anyway I don't see a finish happening in this first round uh but you know each one of those times is another time for Connor to work so so you see that too you mentioned confidence building you see that if he fails a couple of times it might wind up looking a little bit more like Connor did against Chad Mendez like with his confidence building yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think uh, I think the the number one thing, if if I'm talking about Connor losing here, is uh, Connor losing to himself. You know, I I think it's him breaking, uh, which is a very real possibility. You know, he he's coming off a fight where he he lost his last fight. You know, as much as he want to come in and 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 throw the hoopla and all that, he lost his last fight. He had a tough fight with Nate Diaz before that. Uh, and then lost the Nate Diaz fight before that. So you know, what's his confidence looking like? You know, you can talk all that all that. All, all the big talk that you want to until it really gets it really gets going. And if he gives up on himself, then it's going to be game over. And, and that's sort of more where you were going to with that, that like you could see who's going to win in the first minute. Because if you, you think if Habib rushes across the cage, instantly takes him down, is on top of him for the first minute or two, with Connor having no success, then we could see Connor sort of mentally out of it. Exactly. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned it a couple of times in there, and we're we're you know getting a little bit close to the end of this breakdown. Uh, I gotta ask you, you know, you said you might be leaning uh, towards Connor knocking him out. It, it, after all this talk about you know what the strengths and weaknesses are, and all the different places where this fight could go, what's your final prediction? You had to put money down today uh, where you would see this fight ending. What would you pick? I'm going with Connor uh, second round TKO. You know, and, and, and it's going to make him look like a, a a god and all this, and everybody's going to be all, you know, so hyped that, it, that he, he crushed the Russian train. But that man has been making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, I've been watching him for years. I've been, I've been calling him out since 2016, and I'm still watching him, and I'm still seeing those same mistakes. So if I'm seeing him, I'm betting that Connor is seeing him too. Uh, and I'm betting that other fighters that are, that are smart in this game are seeing him too. You know, he he kind of rushed by and 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 didn't really have much of a challenge uh, up until th- this point. So we'll, we we're gonna see, but I'm I'm leaning more towards Connor uh, knocking him out, and it's gonna be the same. Uh, 
with, with the left cross. Okay, with the left cross. So you heard it there in the second round. Now I want to talk. You know, you mentioned. You know, you you feel like you've been calling both of these guys out, or one of these guys out. Are you ready for him? How far away do you feel like you know with the winner of this is from you? Are you one fight away? Are you two fights away? Uh, how how soon could we see you fighting one of these two? Realistically, I'm one fight away, um, and you know that that's kind of already where I've been in my mind. Um, I'm already getting ready for this fight too. In, in case anybody, uh, I've been getting ready for this one. In case uh, you never know, this is MMA. Things happen all the time. I'm gonna be ready to make weight on Friday, just in case of whatever happens but uh if not then then i'm getting ready for my own uh 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 fight you know i i i've got a lot of options out there i'm waiting until after this one kind of dies down see where i'm making my move you know i'm, I'm kind of a uh i'm a thinker more than a doer so I, i'm i'm a, I'm a sit back i'm gonna plan my moves and then i'm gonna go out there and hunt somebody down i like that and you, you said you're you're planning on being right at weight come friday uh, are you like currently dieting now are you currently cutting back as is to, to make weight, or are you just confident that you could make it from your walk-around weight in that week's time? Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, I've been dieting down anyway. Um, you know, I, I've been kind of quiet on social media and in, in the media in general anyway uh, because I've been putting in the work. I, you know, I, I've been treating this as if I've been in training camp. So, uh, so just in case anything goes down, I, I'll be ready for it. But uh, that that's the thing. It, it, things come when you're well-prepared. And uh, if you ain't, then you're going to get left behind. Yeah, and and obviously we I don't know the answer to this question, but I know the UFC is, has contacted some people in the past about possibly being backups for fights. Um, I know uh, Alexander Volkov was the backup for a title fight in one time, um, as well as Kamara Usman was a, a backup for the recent Tyrone-Darren Till fight. Did they contact you about possibly being a backup? Did you contact them about possibly being a backup? Well, you know, I think that that's the reason why they booked uh, Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Pettis on this on this uh, co-main card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was the fight that I was looking for. It was me and Pettis, but you know, they they uh, Tony came by and rushed his uh, he he rushed his his recovery on his knee injury just to just to kind of steal that one from me. So you know, I'm I'm kind of the backup for all four of them. In my mind, that's that's where it's kind of been. Uh, you know, a lot of things can still happen. We only got a we only got a week left, but there's been MMA. It's been a, a <laughs> lot crazier things that have happened before this. So I, they haven't officially contacted me about being the backup, but in my mind, I already know how these things work, and uh, you know, the best things come to those who prepare for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we saw a title fight go to uh, Ally Aquinta, who was, you know, pretty far down the rankings at the moment. We almost went to Paul Felder last time out. So, yeah, being prepared certainly makes sense. So, um, you know, you said you're one fight away. You you know, you like to do your thinking. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job here if I didn't ask you. You know, like, what what's the sort of name that you got to ask for next in order to be that one fight away you know like i'm not saying you have to call somebody out here but you you probably have a list of names that are ready that would be that one person who would get you uh to that title shot i've got a couple (laughs) you know me uh but you know really is about going out there and really showing what i can do you know i I think people are kind of still sleeping on me a little bit the people in this division khabib and connor and all these guys like they really know uh, you know, when 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 Connor's uh uh well I don't know if you want to call him a, a coach or whatever is Dylan Dennis when when he you know when he kind of called me out for that grappling match which I still ain't heard about I still want to get that in if he, <laughs> if he here in town uh but when he, when he did that it's because they already know 
Um, so now I just got to continue to convince the rest of the world. So this next fight, whatever it'll be, I'll just say it'll be a damn good fight. All right, and we're looking forward to it. Any idea when you're looking to get back in there? Are we talking two, three months time? Are we going to see you by the end of the year? Oh, no, definitely by the end of the year. But, we'll, again, we'll, we'll have to see. You know, I, I've been kind of sit, sitting low, sitting quiet, letting these guys kind of get their shine out the way just so I can come by and, uh, uh, like, the dark horse come through and, and swoop it out from underneath them. Um, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. I, I'm kind of interested in it. It's kind of fun sitting back and, 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 and getting a plan and getting to think for once in my career and not having to take the the dumb fights that everybody else has, have to take. <laughs> well, we're certainly looking forward to whatever that smart fight might be. Um, thank you so much again for being on, being a special analyst with a little bit more insider information than we would typically be able to give on such an exciting fight. So once again, that's Kevin Lee, lightweight contender and our special analyst for this week's Connors versus Habib fight. Kevin, thanks again so much for the time. We appreciate it. My man, appreciate you. And that interview with Kevin Lee is brought to you by BJJ Tea Club. That's right, BJJ Tea Club. It's the only subscription service that brings you high-quality, unique, handcrafted BJJ teas to your door each and every month. There's no contracts, no obligations, no funny business at all. You just get amazing t-shirts at a low cost without having to even think about it. Plus, if it isn't cool enough for you... They'll also be doing something great for others because when you buy from BJJ Tea Club, they not only send you your sweet shirt each and every month, they also send a shirt to a child in need. It's all part of their Tees for Tots program. So to find out more about that and to get started with them, go to BJJTclub.com. That's BJJTEEclub.com. And don't forget to use promo code FLOW to get your first $5 off that first shirt. I am always Daniel Gumby Freeland alongside with Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, what'd you think of the Motown Phenoms breakdown? Wow, I gotta say, I like the Motown Phenoms breakdown. Uh, he brought up some really good points. You know, is Habib one to two dimensional in his entries to takedowns? Yeah, maybe. I also like what he said. Well, first of all, the caveat that he could break Connor, so fucking true. But he's like the one professional fighter that's actually picking Connor. So mad respect there. But I do like what he was saying that if the entries start to fail, and we saw that in the third round, I believe it was the third round versus Ally Akinda. Mm-hmm. If they, if they had, if Connor had a, a third round like Ally Akinta where Habib's tired and the entry to single leg isn't working, that's where Connor could light him the fuck up. Yeah, I, I would be really worried. If I was Habib and I didn't take Connor out early, because not that Habib hasn't shown he can go f- five rounds or hasn't shown that he can go late into a fight, but I do think his takedowns get worse and worse and worse every single time uh, as the fight goes on. He he looks best in the beginning, and and that's I mean fair to say about a lot of fighters, but I think it's especially true of his takedowns. So if he gets tired, I could definitely see that happening. Um, and then the other thing I really liked about Kevin Lee's breakdown, too, is that part where he said it's less of a striker wrestling matchup than people are making it out to be, and it's more of a pressure versus pressure matchup. Who can implement their pressure and their style of pressure over the other one? And I, I think that's just like a really interesting way to look at it, that not a lot of people are, are breaking it down that way. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, too. I thought that was a great fucking point. So looking forward to more breakdowns by Kevin Lee, but... It being UFC 229 week, uh, we got a lot to get to. I'm very excited about our combat countdown, which is counting down 
the top five potential future Conor McGregor's on the roster. What do we mean by that? We mean KO power. We mean shit talking. We mean, uh, you know, injecting some life into their respective UFC divisions. But before we do that, we got to go around the league. And we also have to talk a little bit about UFC 229. We got Kevin Lee's breakdown. Gumby, let's hash it out. Who are you picking in Conor versus Habib? So I'll, I'll mention it again later in the UFC 229 breakdown, but I, I, I like exactly what he said, his breakdown. You know, like, not for anything, Flow Combat did a post earlier uh, this week about looking at the resumes of the two fighters, and, and it just kind of, that kind of did something for me, looking at the resume. It's not that Habib hasn't looked great with his takedowns, but I found myself staring at his resume just asking myself, who is he? Who's the guy he's taken down that's impressed me, right? Who's the guy who he's putting on his back where I'm like, fuck, he put that guy on his back? And if I'm trying to pull a name, the only two that I can remotely put as like the, the fuck, holy shit, he got that guy down, is Michael Johnson and Edson Barboza. And, you know, if we're, we're talking about either of those two guys, you know, Michael Johnson got taken down by Andre Feely once or twice. And Edson Barboza got dominated the exact same way against Kevin Lee, who, don't get me wrong, Kevin Lee, D2 wrestler, fucking killer on the mats, um, and a hell of a good breakdown. So uh, I just don't think that for, for all of those purposes, I can necessarily trust that he's been able to take down a high-level dude when it comes to that shit. I, I don't even know what to say right now. So you're telling me you think that Habib is going to have a problem taking down Conor McGregor? I don't think he's going to have a job or a hard time taking down Conor McGregor once or twice. I 100% agree that he is definitely going to get Conor down uh, at least once or twice, maybe three times. But I also think he will probably spend a chunk of the end of the first round and maybe even the end of the second round on top. But every single round starts on his feet. Kevin Lee said it himself, and I think that the fact that while the fight goes on longer and longer, the more he, the more times he does not get Connor out of there, the more dangerous it's going to become for him. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is what makes it an interesting matchup, right? I think that's a a fair point, but you know, Connor's going to get tired as well. Power is going to get zapped. Connor does not have a Tony Ferguson gas tank no, by that- any stretch of the imagination. So the idea that Habib, you know, we go into the fourth round and then he he fails at a takedown, that Connor's just going to have all the power that he normally has in the first round, that's not true either. I mean, Connor has a gas tank problem as well. Um, That being said, I mean, to me, it's Habib all day, but you hedge your bets and you put, you know, whatever type of gambler you are, $5, $10, $1,000 on Connor by KO and that home run shot, but, you know, if we're setting emotions aside here, this is Habib's fight. He's never lost a fight. Connor's takedown defense is not better than Michael Johnson's. It's not better than Habib's. So why would we think it goes any differently? Uh, I, so I, I disagree slightly there. So I do think you're right. It is his fight. If we're, if you're a, you know, have a million dollars and you have to put a million dollars down, you put it down on Habib. My gut just says Connor. Yeah. And then the part that I'll disagree on is I do think Connor McGregor's takedown defense is better than Michael fucking Johnson. And, and you don't get me wrong. I like Michael Johnson. 
I just have seen Michael get Johnson get taken down by some fucking really shitty wrestlers in his day. You know, like, Michael Johnson got blast taken down by Dennis Bermudez a bunch of times. And if you put Connor in a cage with Dennis Bermudez, he's gonna stuff Dennis Bermudez's takedowns. Um, so, for me, that one I just don't think is true. But I, I totally get your point there. I, I agree that I think that... Uh, it's Habib's fight to win, and it, the smart money is early on Habib, but that doesn't mean it's as, as not blown out as I think some people are making it sound. Yeah, you bring up some points. I mean, listen, if you go by fight metric, Edson Barbosa, Michael Johnson, Ally Quinta, they have better takedown defense than Connor, but we're talking about by like six percentage points. So, yeah, and, and you, you also I mean, have to think about the, the people who have tried to take them down too, right? If you look at like Michael Johnson... And it, you're right, his takedown defense is better. He's probably got some, like, stuffed takedowns against some, like, guys who we were like, well, of course you're going to stuff that guy's takedowns, right? Like, whereas Connor, his stuffed takedowns come against, you know, like, he stuffed Chad Mendez once, or, you know, he stuffed uh, Nate Diaz once or twice, or, like, people like that. Whereas, you know, the, the stuffed takedowns for Michael Johnson might have come against, like, Benil Dariush, or, like, Gleason Tebow, or Joe Lozon. Well, you bring up the um, Chad Mendez fight, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think here's where I, you know, I hate to play MMA math and say, oh, it's going to go like that. But I do think that's somewhat of a baseline that we can do to breaking down this fight. Whereas, you know, Mendez took him down. Connor got up late in the second round, did not like what he was experiencing. Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree with that. Like he was not having a fun time in there in early in round two when he was getting ground and pounded, looking at the referee to try to stand them up. Here's the difference. He's not just going to pull a home run shot on Habib. Habib trains with Kane, DC, Luke Rockhold. He's a bigger dude. He has trouble making 155. It's going to be a lot like Nate Diaz to me. I don't know that Connor pulls out that, you know, Celtic cross left hand and can just put away Habib whenever he wants. I think he's really going to have to work for it. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of talking myself into a finish for either guy, either via Habib breaking Connor down around the fourth round, or maybe to, to your point, Connor stuffs a takedown after Habib's tired late three, early four, and maybe he could put something together. But I just don't see this ending in the first or second round. No, I, I don't see it ending in the first or second round either. Even even with Connor's crazy KO power, um, I, I just don't see like Habib pulling... Uh, uh, Jose Aldo and like losing his mind and no. doing something stupid. He he's way oh. too composed for that. He's way too well trained. Javier Mendez is too good of a coach. Uh, there, there's just I, too many reasons I, not to. Yeah, I will say though, bringing that up. I mean, obviously we have to bring up past fights to you know kind of indicate future performances. Habib does have an awkward punching style that lends itself to lunging, mm. uh, almost like the way Jose Aldo did. However. He's not going to be stiff as a board like Jose Aldo, and he's just a bigger chin and yeah. dude than Jose Aldo. He's and, a much much bigger you know, dude. I, yeah, he's. I mean, almost like twice the size in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, he is a, a big, thick dude. All right, I think we've a lot, lot of tiramisu the there. <laughs> um, let's go around the league a little bit. Two things I want to get your opinion on. One, they announced obviously this is UFC two two nine week. The buy rate's going to be massive. UFC two thirty. The buy rate will not be massive. They've announced <laughs> a new main event. It's uh, Eubanks versus Shevchenko for the 125-pound title. 
uh, you were one of the few people on Twitter who actually was positive about this. <laughs> yeah, no, so, you know, for those of you who didn't catch my, my Twitter uh, thread about it, Look, uh, do I think it's a, a good main event for MSG? Fuck no, I don't think it's a great main, main event for MSG. Do I think it's a, a great title fight people are clamoring for, that people are going to pay for? Fuck no, I don't think that. So before you you know send all the hate mail my way, I definitely don't believe that. Do I think Eubanks has got a good chance of beating Shevchenko? Nope, still don't think even that. But the reason I'll defend it is, look, the UFC has decided somewhere in their marketing department that if they're going to sell a pay-per-view, they got to put a title fight on it. And that a title fight is what's going to headline a pay-per-view no matter what, because that's what they believe. So if you go to that rationale of thinking, and you just accept that that's the way the UFC sees things, then there's really no other option. Every other fucking champion was tied up. The only champion or only belt that wasn't tied up that they could make was Valentina Shevchenko, who agreed to fight on this card. They went to, to Joanna Janjacek. Janjacek said she was she would not bump her fight up, that she would only fight at 231. And when they were like, well, she, we can't bump her up, and this is the only possible title fight they went, they went to the second best option in that division. And whether you like it or not, Sajara Eubanks is the second best option in that division. Does her record look great? No, but she's already earned herself a title fight on the Ultimate Fighter. She just missed weight. And after that, she beat number three, Lauren Murphy. So, like... While the, the record doesn't look great and everything doesn't... She's the next most deserving person in that division, and they desperately wanted a title fight. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm with you. I, I like that you went against the grain and felt that way. Now, that being said, devil's advocate, if they couldn't get Tyron Woodley back in action in enough time, or they couldn't put together like a, a John Jones-type super fight, there were some rumors about him versus Kane. I mean, I don't know. From where I sit... Um, our boy, Bobby Knox, Robert Whitaker, has not fought in a long time. Why not just make Luke Rockle versus Chris Weidman the two former champions in the top ten, uh, other than Robert Whitaker, the current champion, Luke Rockle and Chris Weidman, why not just make that an interim title fight? Their fight at UFC 194 was the co-main for McGregor versus Aldo. That did 1.2 million buys. Uh, Weidman you know, has been a pay-per-view main event headliner for really going back to 2013, the last five years, he's been on cards that have done over a million buys. I'm actually really surprised in this interim title world they didn't just make that an interim title fight. Yeah, and it, it's sort of, you caught me off guard there because I was fucking sure you were going to say Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier for the fucking 165-pound title, and I was going to be so fucking angry at you. Uh, uh-huh. and, and then you went here, and actually that, that actually would have made a lot more sense um, I, I guess just with the title fight already booked for that title, you know, maybe not an official date, but the, the matchup already announced for that title, they backed away from it. Um, but yeah, well, I, well, I, I wait, probably... Wait, hold on. Fill me in. What, did that... No, Calvin Gastelum, Calvin Gastelum is supposed to fight uh, Bobby Nux for... So th- there's not a date for it yet, but it's supposed to fight Bobby Nux because they're the coaches on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, which, oh, true, true, which true, by true, the right. way, ladies and gentlemen, did you know there's an episode of The Ultimate Fighter coming out? Um, <laughs> right as we're speaking right now, I keep forgetting that this Ultimate Fighter's on because it's just not good. Um, but yeah, uh, so that w- I think that was probably what made them hesitant. But you're right, that was probably option one A versus option one being Valentina Shevchenko versus Sajara Eubanks. All right, we'll move on, and I think the other uh, big uh, news of the week was friend of the show, Sugar Sean O'Malley, 
it was actually not announced officially that he had a new SADA violation. He announced it because I guess the new policy is, is that they're not going to announce it until it's all sorted out. So any false pops uh, don't get, you know, announced prematurely. And then the scarlet letters put on the fighter. But he came out and said, you know, he, he had an issue. And obviously because he was pulled from, from the fight, it was canceled. His UFC 229 fight versus Jose Alberto Quinones, uh, what do you make of it, and uh, what do you think of the new policy? So I, I'm all right with the new policy. I think what they're trying to do there is to protect people. You know, we talked to Tim Means in the past about being falsely accused and how that kind of follows them around. I, I'm not sure that this makes people look any more innocent because I think in a wa- ways, every time we see a fight cancellation, fucking Twitter is going to go bonkers and just be like, well, they pop for steroids instantly um, with no proof behind it. People are going to have to like defend themselves, tell us what their injuries are and all that kind of nonsense. So, yeah, I, I think it, it works in some ways and it doesn't work in other ways. Um, but I will say that I love Sean O'Malley's handling of it. He came right out, said he's already got the supplement sent to uh, the people at USADA. They're already working with him to clear his name and to get him back ready to go. And the UFC said that they're going to reschedule that fight, so they must have a lot of faith in uh, O'Malley as well. Dude doesn't look like he's on steroids. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, no, not a steroid thing. I mean, he's certainly an advocate of... Uh the marijuana so i thought at first it was something related to marijuana but i guess he said uh or hinted supplement. when he made the announcement yes yeah, supplement or some sort of tainted supplement mm-hmm. maybe it was a marijuana flavored supplement i don't know but uh we'll see what happens and uh sneak peek you might even hear about him later on in the show in our combat countdown hey you know what let's just get right into it gumby this week's combat countdown in honor of connor versus habib Last week, we counted down the top five uh, future and most Habib-like fighters on the UFC roster. Got some great interaction on our Twitter feed, at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, we had Tatiana Suarez as number one, but then the fans, why don't you fill everyone in, the fans kind of... Uh, took maybe a little exception to us missing the mark on someone. Yeah, we missed the mark on Gregor Gillespie. I don't know how I missed it. He must have been out fishing when I was compiling the lists uh, because he's been out in a way for a while, and I think that's probably why I missed him. But, uh, yeah, the fans instantly all over us for forgetting uh, Gregor Gillespie. So we, we put it to the fans, where would you vote to sneak him in this list, threw it up on Twitter, and not only did all of the fans vote to put him at number one ahead of Tatiana Suarez, Fucking Tatiana Suarez voted to put him at number one ahead of Tatiana Suarez. So, uh, yeah, you can amend our last list last week for us uh, and just put Gregor Gillespie as the most Habib-like dude. And, hey, maybe they'll run into each other down the road, and that would be a fight I'd fucking love to see. Who, Gillespie versus Tatiana Suarez? No, no, no. Gillespie versus uh, Habib Nurmagomedov uh, down the road. Yeah, down the road. Be a fun wrestler matchup. Yeah. Um, all right, so now we'll get to our top five potential future Connor fighters, but this is a little different from coming up with a Habib fighter. This is not just about the KO power, but it's really about revolutionizing the game, having a bit of shit talking, and really being that cult of personality that Connor is. We also tried to bring an international flavor to this and have people who come with a whole nation behind them. So with that said, Gumby, are you ready for this week's Combat Countdown? on the top five future or potential Conor McGregor's on the UFC roster right now. Hell yeah. All right, well, let's start with this. Let's talk about the honorable mentions. I had Darren Till as an honorable mention. I know he's coming off the loss, but to me, he was very Conor-like in the way 
that he brought an entire nation with him, uh, in, or in this case, Great Britain, uh, and also had the KO power. He's moving to middleweight now, so I feel like there is a career resurgence uh, there, if you want to call it that, coming off the loss in the title fight. But that all being said, who were your honorable mentions? I'd like to mention Darren the Dentist Stewart from England, too, as long as we're talking about England. Uh, you know, his record, if it was a little better, we'd probably have him on this list. But uh, the, the clear KO power is just insane. He was getting beat in a couple of fights recently, came back through some thunderous shots that flatlined some people. Um, and I think it's really, really, really interesting uh, how, how emotional he is on the mic afterwards. And that, whether it's like as brash as Connor or not, it definitely gets people behind him. Um, so I'm a big fan of him for that reason. And, and that was mostly my honor to mention. I, I threw out Curtis Millinder as an option too. He's clearly got the KO power, a little bit less brash, um, but equally as exciting. All right. So there's the honorable mentions. Now let's get, let's get to the real list. Who can be a Connor McGregor like figure and have their own whiskey in a few years. We'll start with number five. I have trouble pronouncing his name. He's from Brazil. <laughs> It's, uh, it's Devison Figueiredo. Devison Figueiredo is, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a flyweight, and, and as far as flyweights go, he, he kind of carries, like, a John Lineker style to him, in that his, like, punches are just thunderous. I mean, like, he went into that fight with John Moraga, and with me thinking, well, John Moraga is, like, a, the wily veteran who's going to hand this prospect his first loss, and he just tooled on... John Moraga with those thunderous fists. And, and you know, the the language barrier is always going to be a thing with Brazilians, and it's going to make it harder for them to attach to uh, the United States crowd, which is, is kind of what has helped Connor take off. But, you know, when you can tell when this guy gets on the mic down in Brazil with the translator down there, he, that place gets so fucking fired up. Yeah, that's why I liked him. I mean, really, does he have the chance to be like a Connor? No, probably not. And being a flyweight, absolutely fucking not. But for Brazil, uh, you know, he has a chance of being a Connor. And as we saw, I mean, Anderson Silva took off with the American marketplace. Maybe he could be the guy that finally sets the lightweight division or the flyweight division on fire. Excuse me. We'll move now to number four. Uh, and it's Elijah Zaleski Dos Santos. Yeah, Elijah Zaleski Dos Santos. Um, I I just love this guy because of the finishes he's putting out there. So in his first few fights in the UFC, you know, he, he lost a split decision, and then from there he got a, a knockout with his knee, and then rattled off three straight decisions. And I was like, eh, maybe he's not that exciting. Immediately fill, follows that up with a spinning wheel kick KO of Sean Strickland, who's just a fucking beast. And then he follows it up going to Sao Paulo a couple weeks ago and hitting a flying knee knockout. This dude is exciting because he finishes shit from so many different places. You know, knees, kicks, he's thrown hands. He's really, really, really exciting. They don't call him Capoeira for anything. Uh, so he's really exciting. Brings a completely different style of striking to the game. And, uh, you know, again, the Brazilian thing makes it definitely hard for the American fan to get behind him. But I definitely, you could feel Brazil behind him in his last couple of fights, which have all taken place in Brazil. All right, we'll move then to number three, and I think this guy really has a Connor-like finishing rate because he has eight pro wins, seven of which by knockout. Connor right now sits at 21 pro wins, 18 of which by knockout. You've seen him do the shoey. 
It's Tai Tuivasa. Yeah, Tai Tuivasa is a perfect pick for somebody who is a future Connor. Like, you know, with a lot of our lists, I feel like our four and fives are usually a little bit spaced away from our one, two, and three. And you're for sure going to see this right here because Tai Tuivasa is already a megastar. Reebok came out with a goddamn shirt with him chugging a beer out of his shoe. Which, just to think about that concept, if you told somebody three years ago when Reebok was first coming in, coming out with these really dull t-shirt ideas, you were going to see one with a guy chugging out of a shoe, I would have laughed at you, because there's no way I would have believed that, and here we have this brash New New Zealander uh, training with Mark Hunt, just doing crazy things and knocking people out violently. So I, I'm loving every bit of it, and I'm thinking Tai Tuivasa is going to be a very big deal in the very near future. We'll move then to number two. It's a friend of the show. We've talked about his Connor-like presence uh, and his striking. His striking is really like next-level stuff. And then this guy cuts a mean promo, as we say in the professional wrestling business, I want to say, much like when Connor came into his first UFC fight, he said, we're not here to take part, we're here to take over. It's become a very quoted phrase. You always see it when the UFC does Connor retrospectives. And I'm pretty sure in Idesanya's first fight, he said, I just pissed in this ring, uh, or something to that effect. He said, I whipped out my Johnson and pissed in this <laughs> octagon. Pretty classic. It's Israel Idesanya. Yeah, Israel Idesanya, and he's got a couple of nations behind him too. You know, being Nigerian by birth and training in New Zealand, he's got a whole lot of people behind him. Um, he's actually got a fun little podcast with Dan Hooker out now too. They do a video podcast that's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, Idesanya just so much fun. Uh, yeah, the the pissed on the cage uh, comment. Um, you know, he talked to us about that later. Really, really fun guy on the mic. And then you know. The, the whole next level striking stuff, what he did to Brad Tavares last time out was amazing. It was nothing short of amazing. He took that fight, similar to Figueroa did, he took that fight, stepped up against a guy who was highly ranked while he was not even in the top 15. And not only did he beat him, he embarrassed him in numerous ways. Stuffed his takedowns, got takedowns of his own, threw bombs you know, showboated in the cage. Everything was Idesanya in every way that Idesanya wants. So I'm super excited to see him fighting coming up soon. All right, we'll move then to number one. Uh, and, you know, listen, he just got in trouble, but hey, Connor's a rebel. He's known <laughs> to get in trouble himself. Number one is Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah, I, I think Sugar Sean O'Malley is uh, a big star in the making. The difference between him and some of these other guys is how young Sean O'Malley is. you got to remember, Sean O'Malley, only 23 years old. Real, super young guy. Um, his one-touch KO power, if you've never seen his Contender Series fight, the fight that brought the Sugar Show to the UFC, go back and watch it because it is so Connor-esque in the way that he knocks that guy out. He throws a right hand drops both of his hands to his hips and just walks away from him while the guy is falling. It is so incredibly perfect, um, and it's so Connor-like. And then the whole Sugar Show uh, shtick, along with you know getting his whole line of Reebok shirts. He's now got three of them out there. You can get three different Sean O'Malley shirts. I mean, the guy is already a star, and he's so young, and the world is all right in front of him. Yeah, he really is, I think, the biggest on the star potential out of the five. I assign you two, um, but there's something about him, much like with Connor. I don't know. There's just something about him. Let's review the list. Yeah, at number five uh, and number four, the Brazilians, starting with Figueiredo and then moving on to the new Brazilian Dos Santos. 
Number three, Tai Tuivasa. Uh, I think you could really see the UFC getting behind him. Reebok with the shoey shirt already. Uh, and he's a heavyweight, so he's going to knock fools out. We like that. But then it's two and one, uh, I think, are really the most potential to be that next Connor. It's Israel Adesanya at two and Sean O'Malley at number one. Hit us up. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Tell us if you love this list. Tell us if you hated this list. We're at Top Turtle MMA. Also, don't forget to follow our sponsor, at ADK Fightwear. They're about uh, 18 followers away from us giving away an autographed Dan Henderson uh, photo. Dan Henderson is a goddamn American legend, and I know everyone wants to win that. God, I want to win that. But we just need to get ADK 18 more followers, so go follow at ADK Fightwear, and we'll make it happen. Gumby, let's get to your UFC 229 breakdown. Why don't you tell us about it, and also tell us if any good uh, company sponsors this breakdown, I'm hoping they have something to do with ball washing. And our UFC 229 breakdown is brought to you by the one, the only, Ball Wash. That's right, Ball Wash. Go to BallWash.com, enter in promo code COMBAT to get 15% off your whole order on us. It may sound crazy, but this company is doing everything they can to keep your family jewels in pristine condition. Look, they got charcoal activated body wash, a pH balance spray, and solid cologne, all specifically designed for your special parts. Ladies, this also makes a great present for the gentleman in your life. And let's be honest, it can be a present for yourself as well. So grab all three to complete the sack pack at ballwash.com. Uh, so for my UFC 229 breakdown, uh, we're talking about three main fights. Obviously, it wouldn't be a breakdown of this card without talking about Connor versus Habib. I mean, Kevin Lee said it all earlier on the show. A lot of interesting facets to this. But, uh, you know, something that stuck with me about his breakdown is I just don't think Habib has got diverse enough entries in order to get Hab- or Connor down. He's going to have to get him down early and often. And remember, every single round starts in the feet. So I'm going with Connor as a plus 150 underdog right now against Habib at negative 170. My other surprise pick on this card in the co-main event, I'm taking Anthony Pettis at plus 300. That's a 3-1 to one underdog over Tony Ferguson. Look, I love Tony Ferguson. I thought Tony Ferguson is an absolute killer out there, but I think the difference here is that Anthony Pettis is all the wrong things for Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, not a killer wrestler, like stop most of the Pettis guys. Not going to outstrike Pettis, and in a submission game, I think it's 50-50. So I, I think Pettis has got some really unique advantages over somebody like Tony Ferguson. And then, I, obviously, i got to take one favorite. I'm going to take Alexander Volkov at negative 175 over Derek the Black Beast Lewis at plus 145. Look, Volkov's long, Volkov's strong, and Volkov's got a way better gas tank than Derek Lewis, and all of those things, I think, add up to a really bad, really short night for Derek Lewis. So, once again, I'm taking Conor McGregor over Habib Nurmagomedov, Anthony Showtime Pettis over Tony Ferguson, and Alexander Volkov over Derek Lewis. This was another episode of Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. Thank you again to Flo for having us on. Thank you to Kevin Lee for coming on and being our special guest analyst this week. And also thank you to all of our sponsors, Ball Wash, ADK Fightwear, and of course, uh, Sisu Mouthguards and BJJ T-Club. Uh, and we also have a little bit of a special thing for you before we let you go this week. Uh, thank you for sticking around. We've got... 
a special late interview here with Scott Askham, who's fighting this weekend in the co-main event of a very sick KSW card. So if you need a little appetizer before the UFC card, check out KSW, KSW 45 from Wembley Stadium in London. So for Shockwave Dave Tremonti, I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Enjoy this interview, and we'll see you next week. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Scott Askham, who fights Marcin Wojcik at KSW 45 at Wembley Stadium this weekend. So, Scott, uh, your last fight with, was your first with KSW, uh, which is kind of the number one name in MMA in all of Poland. H- how is that environment sort of different fighting over there in Poland versus, say, your fights in England? It was fun in I was interested to get out there and feel the atmosphere. Um, if 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 Matilda came to England and, and fought me, there'd be a lot of booze. Like uh, I don't like it personally, but the the crowd seems to boo the away fighter where I'm from. That's just like that's how it is. But um, the opening ceremony, everything. Like I didn't get many cheers, but I still got some cheers. It was a great atmosphere, and it was great to be part of the show. And obviously going in and fighting Matilda, like like you say, a massive name in Poland already. Uh, it was a great experience. Was, was that sort of a surprise to you? Because, you know, like like you said, there are a lot of boos in England. You haven't really fought all that many times outside of England or, or close by in Europe. Was was that a surprise? Yeah, I was surprised to answer it, yeah. Uh, I expected some boos. Uh, yeah, I, I'm ready for it all anyway. I, 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 um, yeah, I'm more than prepared for it all. Yeah. Everybody counted me out um, at that fight. They had Matilda that like you were going to win hands down. Uh, I think one Paul had it at like ninety six percent that he was going to win. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I I I confidence in my skills and uh, we got we got the win done early. What 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 sort of do you attribute that underdog status? Because like you said, you know, Paul said he was going to win ninety six percent. Is that just fighting in Poland, or do you think that's that's some people like writing you off? Uh, from from things they already know in your career. No, 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 no. Ultimately, maybe there's got such such in, in, in their guy. Uh, it, on a free fight win streak, all with scales as well. Uh, yeah, like that. I thought it was a good time. Uh, I, I sort of uh, stole his. Uh, yeah, I forget what that saying is. I mean, but like I, I sort of stole, stole like uh, the hype that were around him and. Uh, yeah, I'm in a good position now. Obviously, I'm in the tournament. He's managed to get back to winning ways and get in the tournament also. So, uh, some fans are talking about a rematch. Uh, I don't know why they want a rematch. It wasn't like you're a close fight where he deserves a rematch. And all his fans are saying that I got lucky as well. So, um, if he makes it to the final and, and I get there, then that, that'll be the final. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, you, you mentioned it. it's not exactly luck when you land you know, as many body kicks as you did, with each one of them pretty much crumpling them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine calling, uh, you know, I, I think it was five or six body kicks. Each one of them looked like they'd finish him uh, lucky, but but I guess to each their own. Um, you know, so I, I was, you know, looking sort of through your, your social media and I saw you were training in the U.S. for this fight. Is is that something that you, you do a lot of? Do you, do you do a lot of traveling for your, your training camps? Yeah, I'm, I'm based in American top team. That's where I do all the camps. Uh, that that'll be uh, my fourth camp there now. Uh, I've been I've been there nearly two years, so yeah, I do all the camps in American top team. And uh, uh, if you if you watch me, if you watch me, my fights each time the game's improving. Uh, I feel I feel like uh, a different fighter in American top team. So 
uh, no doubt you'll see an even better this class can come uh, October 6th. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you mentioned, too, that you're getting better every single time out. You're only 30 years old. You're, you're still kind of early in your career. You know, what are sort of your your ex- expectations for where your career goes from here? I mean, you're you're on a two-fight win streak. Is the title fight in your, your third and final KFSW fight? Like, what are you thinking for uh, the near future? Yeah, of course, yeah. It's a tournament. The, the, it's a four-man tournament. The winner gets the, winner gets the title mm-hmm. shot, so... Um, yeah, obviously win this next next fight for the belt. Uh, that's that's my that's my short term goals. Uh, I'm pretty much focusing on that. Uh, mm. I know I know you call me young young at thirty. I, I, I don't feel so young at thirty. <laughs> uh, I, I seem to be fighting more and more people that are younger than me. And uh, yeah, um, I, I, like I say, I still I still feel like I'm developing the game. Uh, I feel like. Um, like in some sports, when you get to thirty, it's seen as old and past it. But when you see where the champions are at in MMA, it, it does seem to be them fighters that are a little bit more long in tooth. Uh, I think them um, them rounds, rounds and rounds and rounds. Um, you just always learning in MMA, and people are becoming better, better fighters. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm, still, I'm just turned thirty, and I'm becoming better. Who knows where it's going to take me? I, I, I've just got a short-term goal against the real title, like mm-hmm. I said, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and and you said too that you know you've only been at ATT for two years, and you're you're obviously making huge leaps and bounds. You know, you're you're better than ever right now. Is, is there any regret maybe that you didn't find a camp like ATT early in your career or a little yeah, bit earlier in your yeah, career? Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, I got to the truth, I never thought I'd do it, and like um, I've always been like an old bird sort of thing. Uh, like, 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 don't, feel, don't like being away from home and, and things like that. Uh, and I never thought I'd do it, but um, my teammate um, said he was going out there. We, we were sort of up in air. We didn't really have a camp at the time. We'd, we'd, we'd move camps. And um, he said, look, just come out and try it. And uh, I came out and tried it and uh, not looked back since. Um, that, and that, that's, that's how it came to came, came about, really. Uh yeah, I definitely do wish I did it earlier in my career, but uh, I don't dwell on things too much. Um, I'm getting that working now. Uh, just keep that momentum. Now. I feel like I've got momentum on my side. I just need to keep it on my side. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I want to wrap up here, too, with a question about your upcoming opponent. I mean, he's obviously a tough guy. got lots of finishes either way. Uh, how, how sort of do you see this fight going on? I mean, you're not really one for predictions so much, but... You know what? What kind of fight do you see happening here with Marcin Wojcik? Yeah, look, I always say, I always look say the same. Look, I'm going in there to take the guy out. Uh, I'm a striker. I'm a no striker. I'm looking to strike. Uh, that's not secret. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going in there to strike. If I get that finish, I get that finish. Uh, but if not, I'm prepared to land as many strikes as I need to get to get that win. Um, one of my coaches, ATT. Um, He's um, up, really up on uh, landing significant strikes and uh, how many you need to land to win a fight. So I'm, I'm prepared for that. But like I say, uh, I feel with, I feel with devastating power as well. So if that finishing comes, if that finish comes while I'm landing, landing them significant strikes, we'll take that. And we're certainly looking forward to it. Uh, Scott Askham, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Once again, Scott Askham fights Marcin Wojcik at KSW 45 in Wembley Stadium this weekend as part of a killer weekend in combat sports. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you. Thank you.